ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from Gadigal Land. This is ABC News Daily. As the Reserve Bank prepares to meet again on interest rates, it's worth considering the impact of the 12 rate rises we've already had. We know thousands of borrowers are now battling to pay off their loans, but fears of widespread mortgage defaults have not yet eventuated. Today, business reporter Daniel Ziffer on inflation, mortgage stress, and when things might start to get a bit better. Dan, you've been looking at mortgage stress and there are a lot of people who are in a world of financial pain right now. Those interest rate rises, 12 of them, are making life really tough, aren't they? Well, we've had 12 rate rises across 16 months, a really steep increase and certainly the sharpest hike that we've ever seen from the Reserve Bank. As a result, you know, you're seeing real stress. The research firm Roy Morgan says that in July, one and a half million people were at risk of mortgage stress. Mm. I think these figures are always hard to work out because it's very uneven across the economy. But there is no doubt that this really substantial impost where interest rate charges, the amount of interest being charged has gone up more than 100% in a year, is hitting home. Wow. Yeah. So just explain a bit more, Dan, what mortgage stress is. How is that? classified? Well, historically, it's defined as when a household is spending more than 30% of their income on their mortgage repayments. Now, about a third of Australians have a home loan. About a third of Australians have paid off their loan and a further third are renting where they live. Now, in some ways, they're also subject to mortgage repayments because those properties, many of them are held by landlords who have mortgages on them. So really, we're talking about the two thirds of Australians who haven't paid off their housing. Mm -hmm. And both of those housing costs, whether mortgages or rents, have really rocketed in the past year as these rates have gone up. So mortgage stress essentially is taking more and more money of what is already the biggest cost of living, housing, and essentially taking it out of people's wallets. Right, okay. And our colleague, Catherine Diss, she actually spoke to a couple in Perth who were experiencing real mortgage stress. Yes, Catherine spoke to Cody Briggs and his partner, Monique McHale. They're building their dream home in, in Perth's southeast, but they've been hit with construction delays and cost blowouts, so they can't live there. After looking at the state of the rental market and about to give birth to their first child, they've actually bought a second home. They're now spending 70% of their income on their home loans. So yeah, it wouldn't, wouldn't take much at all to drop us into the red, sort of just running that line right now as it is. I am pretty stressed. I try not to think about it because better to be ignorant and not think about it than face the reality that, oh, we might not make the next progress payment. We might end up without, we might end up having to sell this home. So tell me, Dan, what are the banks saying about how the bulk of their customers are faring right now? We know there's mortgage stress for some, but what about the large majority of people at the moment? Well, 
this might surprise you, but most of the banks say that the vast majority of their clients are doing just fine. And the reason is it's actually very hard to get finance in Australia. For good reason, we have responsible lending laws. Mm -hmm. And so that has probably trimmed down some of the problems that we saw in the global financial crisis in around 2008. So as a result, most of the people with loans have jobs or have the capacity to get another one or potentially even a higher paying one if they get in trouble. So most people are doing okay. Mm. Where you're seeing the red line starting to rise are in what's called non-bank lenders, where they charge higher rates, they uh, lend to people who perhaps aren't as good a risk or are in fields where they're more exposed. For example, they might have income just from a small business and not from an employer. So these rates are rising. They're certainly within the tolerances that the bank's like to have. But one of the issues is that in this non-bank lending space, if you already maybe can't get finance from a bank and you're uh, stretched there, you're paying more already and you're more in trouble. Yeah, the Commonwealth Bank boss, Matt Common, he was speaking recently saying that, you know, while it is a really painful time for some households, People are really taking measures to make ends meet, to make things work, basically. The actual number of customers that are falling behind on their e-payments is very small at this stage. But we do anticipate that the full effect of rates will continue to flow through on households and they will feel And I guess, Dan, it could be worse because our unemployment rate is relatively low, isn't it? It certainly is. Uh, wage growth is slow. Uh, It certainly is growing, but not as fast as inflation. So people are certainly going backwards. But as Mm. in all these things, it's really uneven. Some people built up very substantial cash buffers during the pandemic. There were some cases, a lot of people, two years ahead on their mortgage. These things kind of come down to the individual, but we look at the trends over time. Essentially, homeowners will make sacrifices elsewhere, they'll do almost anything to maintain those payments. Banks also now have hardship programs where they have to take into account of people's circumstances. So when people get into trouble, for example, they lose their job or they go through a relationship breakdown, they have to work out plans for people to be able to keep paying their loan. For some of that, that's going to interest only. For some of it, it's making the term of the loan longer. But essentially, it is once you have gained that loan, it is very difficult to lose it, which is why when you see people who are in trouble, it really is on the fringes and in the small numbers, even though the actual broad financial stress is very widespread. Mm, All right. So, Dan, let's now look at what the Reserve Bank is going to do next. It's meeting again today. And of course, it will be considering the plight of borrowers who took out these huge loans during the pandemic when they decide what to do with interest rates. But its main target is high inflation, right? Absolutely. So the outgoing governor, Philip Lowe, basically tagged high inflation as a a massive evil, a tax on everything. He wants to get that down for all the good reasons that essentially it saps wallets. It makes life harder for everyone. It makes harder for businesses to plan. All of these good reasons to get inflation down to what it calls its target band of between 2 and 3%. Now, the Reserve Bank doesn't think that's going to happen until about 2025, but it's inflicting higher interest rates to try and make it happen. We are seeing that. We just had monthly data that said that, and we'll see in the next quarterly data, which is kind of more 
more robust about how well that fight is going. It certainly seems, and he's said, that we're into kind of the next phase of this battle against high inflation, uh, what he calls the calibration phase, where he hopes they can just make small adjustments. We removed the stimulus and the support, then we moved into restrictive territory, and having been in restrictive territory for some time now, we're now into the calibration phase, and as you said, we're watching the flow of data every single month because we've moved policy to restrictive territory and now we're kind of in a world where we're just making, I hope, small adjustments to, to calibrate policy. So inflation, it's coming down. Where are we at at the moment with inflation? What's the figure now? So the cost of things is still going up a lot. The rise of inflation has lowered to 4.9% mm. for the year to July. It's been closer to 8 So that's lower than most economists predicted and a good sign in some ways. It shows that the medicine is working, that Mm. lifting interest rates is having that impact. Now, it's important to know that wage growth is less than that. So even though wages are going up, they're not going up as fast as inflation is. So that's a cut to what's called real wages. People can't buy as much with their pay packet. This might turn around. It might get down lower to that target. We might see wage growth outstrip inflation, which means workers start to get ahead again. But the RBA doesn't expect that inflation is going to get down to that 2 to 3% target band where it wants it until 2025. Yeah. And as you say, even though inflation is coming down, it doesn't mean that things are getting cheaper. Just explain that because we want things to be cheaper. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, the cost of what I call the unnegotiables, you know, your you kind mm. of unavoidable expenses, housing, fuel and food have really rocketed in the past year. Now, they are coming down. We've had big drops in some vegetable prices, basically due to good conditions compared to when we had natural disasters affecting some supply a year ago. These are called volatile items, and they sometimes take them out of the calculations to look at what's called underlying inflation. So that rate is now at 5.8% for the year to July, down from 6.1%. So you can see that it is happening, but housing costs remain high. The pressure there is due to factors, you know, far beyond the war in Ukraine. It's more things like we're inviting a lot of people to Australia and we don't have enough housing stock as it is. That makes housing more expensive. And housing, as we know, is the biggest cost of the cost of living. So when you add in food, fuel and housing, yes, some of these really high jumps are lessening, but they're still rocketing well ahead of what's happening with wages. So for people who earn an income, they're going backwards. Now, Dan, let's have a look at what might happen with interest rates. The incoming governor of the Reserve Bank, Michelle Bullock, who's taking over, of course, from Philip Lowe, she gave a speech last week on climate change and the economy, and she really wasn't giving anything away about interest rates. But surely they can stay on hold for now. Well, uh, she certainly wasn't giving anything away. Do you have any views on what we can expect in Australia? I hope you're not asking me to give forward guidance. (laughs) The biggest trap that Philip Lowe fell into during the pandemic was for good reason. He was reassuring people that under the conditions they had, they didn't see interest rates going up until 2024. The cash rate is very likely to remain at its current level until at least 2024. 
the problem was, despite making that promise multiple times and very clearly, uh, they broke it. So Michelle Bullock certainly wasn't giving any preview to today's decision other than saying that another rise may be needed at some point if inflation doesn't keep coming down. We may have to raise interest rates again, but we're watching the data very carefully. We'll be taking decisions uh, for the time being until next year, at least month by month. But the inflation data that we have that show that the medicine is working might be enough to temper them. Uh, certainly most economists who follow this stuff think that we're headed for another pause in interest rates, which means that repayments stay where they are. Still at these elevated levels, but not getting worse. Yeah, well, that would be welcomed by a lot of people, I am sure. So, Dan, it seems like we're in a holding pattern at the moment where interest rates are high and inflation is outstripping our wage rises. Tell me, how long is that actually going to last, do you think? Sometime. Uh, uh, the issue, as was noted uh, by Westpac CEO Peter King earlier, about six months earlier, is not so much how high interest rates go. It's how long they stay mm. at this level. There are lots of economic headwinds. We don't know what's going on with China's slowing economy. They're our biggest trading partner. There are lots of shocks coming from climate change and natural disasters. So the Reserve Bank's been talking a lot about a narrow path of avoiding recession. I've often thought about this of being someone, uh, you know, on a paraglider kind of coming into land and you, you can see this tiny line down on the ground and Philip Lowe's there and I guess he's passing. Michelle Bullock has now taken the reins <laughs> of this thing and they're trying to land on this very narrow path for Australia. The Reserve Bank can do so much. There are global economic conditions and government has a part to play as well. What will they do to support people through a cost of living crisis without adding to inflation? Yeah, all right. Well, Dan, let's hope for a soft landing. We're aiming for that narrow path. Let's see if we can hit it. Daniel Ziffer is a business reporter based in Melbourne. This episode was produced by Veronica App App, Lara Corrigan and Anna John, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is David Cody. I'm Sam Hawley. To get in touch with the team, please email us on abcnewsdaily at abc.net.au. Thanks for listening.